This is a HeadGum Podcast. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. We read Frank Peretti, or some of us read it, uh, and we're going to talk about it today on Good Christian Fun. We did it, it's kink, it's niche, it's fetish, right? Hey. Consider the source. It's all about Jack and I. Everything! Consider the source. Wanna get in the bathtub? There's a reason erasers don't work in the park. Consider the source. Welcome to Good Christian Fun. I'm Kevin. I'm Carolyn. Carolyn Carolyn Manuel Miranda. Is that who that was? What's that? Is that who was just singing? Yeah. Who else would it have been? Who else would be like that? That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, speaking of, can I make a a request? I know it'll be like old news by the time it rolls around. Here we go. But the drop I would like is let's get loud from the inauguration when J-Lo sang. Oh, I did think about that, but I did think about the dated quality. So I'll do it for the next uh, episode, which comes out (laughs) mid-February. Do it for me. Do it for the fans. Bring it back in February. We're going to make it a resurgence. Well, we're going to have inauguration remembrance parties then where it's like, remember that? You remember (laughs) how Lady Gaga looked like the Hunger Games? Remember this part? (laughs) Good Christian Fun is the podcast where we talk about Christian pop culture, the music, the movies, and entertainment made for and made by and made about Christians. But we're not here to make fun of you. We're not here to make (laughs) you go to church. We're just here to have good Christian fun. Caroline, we're neck deep into 2021. Uh, this is coming out, I believe, in um, in February. Uh, mm-hmm. And are, are you feeling okay about the year so far? Is this your mm. year? Because mm. we already declared it's the year of the podcast. <laughs> this will be my year. Well, it's the month of love. Uh-huh. And, you know, things are moving and shaking. There's hope in Ooh. the air. People are sending Valentines. Okay. I'm going to start kissing strangers on the street in the spirit of that and telling them to pull that mask down and, and breathe in the air of freedom. Don't be a clown. Pull the mask down. Don't be pull a clown. Down. Pull the mask down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be cool if there was a clown. <laughs> That would be like, cool if there was a clown. It would be cool if there was a clown that had a mask and then it would pull it down, but then it just had a clown nose underneath and another mask underneath. Oh, yeah, a smaller mask, like an airplane. Yeah. Like, that would rule. And it's like the, the true clownery is people not abiding by safety. Yeah, and, CDC that, and that's the statement. Uh-huh. I love that. I, lo- I love social consciousness and clowndom. 
Haven't we had a clown on the show? Well, Alyssa Sabo did clownery, right? She, she did, did some clownery. Uh, well, we kind of take up a lot of the clown space in the room, so maybe others don't feel safe. Do we want to talk about clown representation in media <laughs> right now and why it matters? When I, when I saw a clown that looked like me. <laughs> that was the moment I knew I could do literally this and nothing else. <laughs> and that's about it. Yeah, and, and it, no, it's all good. Um, yeah, I would like more kind of activist clowns that are on the street. Yeah, I think spreading so. Spreading the news and the message. Mm-hmm. Bozo, but make it social du- justice. Social duchess. Social duchess. Ooh, <laughs> okay. That's a good drag name. Hey, social <laughs> One of them, I'm so, uh, on another podcast I did, I said the name Rachel McAdams, and that became someone's Twitter name uh, after no. that. And she named it after that, that <laughs> moment. It, uh, yes. Did you and, remember the drag name that you forgot no! last week? No, oh, maybe shoot. I'll remember okay. it by the end of this episode. I know. <laughs> the end of March. I had a, yeah, by mid-April to late June, I believe I'll, I will have remembered the drag name. Oh, I await that. Oh, babe. Uh, but we're talking about not Carmen. I got Carmen on the mind because of some off my Carmen chatter. Carmen on the brain. I tell you got what. Carmen on the brain. <laughs> Rihanna, drop the Carmen collab. We know he wants to do a verse with you. That's why she's been taking so long. She's trying to get Carmen on the features. I don't (laughs) know. He's hard to get in touch with. He he wants to do it so bad. He just doesn't know how to work his email. Yeah, he's busy. It's sad. He's busy. (laughs) Um, But we're talking about Frank Peretti, an author. We don't usually talk about just an author on the show. We talked yeah. about books on the show. We've talked about yes. different movements and artists, but an awful- well, it's hard with an author because you we don't we try not to give guests so much homework as it is, and an author feels like they have to read a book. So usually it's a guest that volunteers it, which is I think the case today. And sometimes great. the guest gives us the homework. Or I almost said the guest (laughs) is homework, but that sounds tedious. (laughs) And such is not the case. And speaking of which, let's just go ahead and introduce this person right now. Friends and folks, she is an author and a writer and a neighbor. You can catch her book, The Myth of the American Dream, or her PCAST, The Prophetic Imagination Station. Everybody give it the hell up for This is my jam. I'm so excited. This right particular now. song? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Ten your Amy, you got your blazer on. Praise to the Lord. Please. Probably barefoot. Where are you geographically? Are you in Portland, Oregon? Yes. I'm like on the very outer edge of Portland. Um, oh, so the bombed the out part. city of Portland. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, the war zone. Ravaged the town. It's like Surprise, there's even a building Antifa. standing. Portland 2021, Baghdad 2003. I dare you to spot <laughs> no the difference. difference. <laughs> it's exactly the, you know, it's exactly the same. I will say I did get tear gas several times over the summer. Is this true? Yeah. Yes, I went down with my Tuesday night, like prayer Bible study ladies, and we just got tear gas the hell up. It was, it was an interesting summer. Well, DL, it sounds like you were asking for it. Uh, but Whoa. anyway, so I'm glad that we get to talk about Frank well, today. What riot gear were you wearing? And that's kind of a <laughs> fun get your riot for. gear. Do you guys know that song by Five Iron Frenzy? I'm yeah. already like swing her girly out. all yeah. around. I'm already rolling out 
the Christian pop culture reference. Yes, please. I'm going to be such a good guest. Oh, come on. Reese is an old friend of the podcast. We talked to him a few years ago. He He said he hated his band, uh, (laughs) which made us feel weird (laughs) while talking to him. Unprompted. I think he was kidding. I can't tell. I have he was kind of kidding. I think he genuinely like doesn't like the music. Yeah, within Five Round Frenzy, like their fan group is called "I Hate Five Round Frenzy," yeah. oh, and literally okay. all the fans do is say horrible things about Five Round Frenzy. I don't get it, but I'm in there. I'm in there, and I'm You're lurking. It. You're part of it. I, I love don't the get fandom based on mutual negging, though. That's what it is. That rules. I I saw them because he he invited us uh, to see them when they played out here. I think two well now three years ago in two in 2019 oh. in Pomona and and they put on a hell of a show and to see skanking at all in the 21st oh century gosh. was transportative for sure I still skank sometimes when I'm really stressed out mm. I'm not kidding even as I a like wife put and on mother <laughs> my husband and I do it together oh, okay never mind. you know what I mean it's holy yes it's, it's sad because that's actually not a joke <laughs> <laughs> no, we, I'm not. We'll we're turn not, on the OC super and just be like, let's let it out. Let's yeah. let it out. Well, deposit yeah. another deposit in the skank bank. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> DL. Wait, I did, did, did. I told this story on mic, right, Caroline, about my what? mom and us doing the dishes, or was this off mic? <laughs> and skanking? No, I don't. No, think so. not about skanking. But when my friend Chelsea and I, Chelsea visited uh, my family, I, I took her home with me a couple years ago. And we were doing dishes in the kitchen and out of nowhere, we were talking about like one of the kids, one of my brother's kids getting a spanking or something and unprompted, truly unprompted with, with no, uh, you know, apropos of nothing. My mom says the old spank bank and we were all shocked. We didn't know how to, how to deal with it. (laughs) Clearly she didn't know what that meant in our vernacular. Mm. But As a child, something... I took many withdrawals from the spank bank myself. <laughs> <laughs> I got overdraft fees. Yeah. <laughs> it was a late fees all the time. A lot of late... <laughs> Do you get late fees at your bank? I thought that was a library know. situation. <laughs> Wait. Who is my bank? Hmm. And isn't it interesting that Caroline equates a place of money with a place of literature? As an author, mm. Danielle, I don't know how you feel about that. I'm disgusted. I feel yeah. like the implications mm-hmm. are... Dramatic. It's basically an economic proposition only. Wow. Well, Danielle, we'd love to hear your story. I feel like there's probably some intersection with ours. And then I feel like it might diverge at a certain point. I don't know. But maybe it's the same because we are part of the resistance. We're here to topple Carmen's patriarchy in the United States of America. I'm definitely down for taking down Carmen. And it's exciting to be in a space where you can like let your little evangelical freak flag fly and it like means something. It's like cultural cachet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's cachet, baby. (laughs) It's cool here. The rest of my life, I never get to (laughs) trot out this stuff. But I'm totally like... Your target audience, your tar- you know, your target demographic. I was homeschooled most of my life. I'm a pastor's kid. Oh wow. Um, you know, I wanted to be a missionary because that's like the only thing really intense women could do yes. as far as like what was <laughs> modeled for women me. is such a good way to put yeah. it. I, What's her name? Liz <laughs> Elliott. Was she a missionary? <laughs> Elizabeth Elliott. Elizabeth oh, yeah. Elliott. Oh yeah. Yeah. Liz Elliott's yeah. a girl yeah. I dated in high school. Liz Elliott. I'm like, I hope you didn't date Elizabeth Elliott. No, she <laughs> but I date really strict about purity. I truly stuff, dated a so. girl named Elizabeth Elliott in high school, but it was not the famous missionary. 
Oh my gosh. Well, I read like... There was no missionary, I promise. I, <laughs> I read the biography Elizabeth Elliot wrote about her husband who was killed being a missionary to Ecuador like a billion times when I was like eight. So that's like my context. Wow, yeah. the dream. <laughs> I wanted to be a martyr. And we're going to get to this a little mm-hmm. bit, but like I... I did grow up with a parent who was really into conspiracy theories, like in the Christian world, Mm -hmm. specifically like end time stuff. Y2K was like big. And so I don't talk about this a ton, but I like my mom took me to so many charismatic events and so much was about Y2K and so much was about the world ending. And it had been prophesied over me multiple times. I would be a martyr, you know, for... Jesus, that gracious, you know, the, the Antichrist would cut my head off, right? Was this pre that, or post I, Columbine? All the Cassie Bernal nonsense. You know, that's actually like a really good question. It must have been a little pre and post because okay. I think there's always a conspiracy brewing in certain elements of Christendom. <laughs> yeah, and so I think they all ran together. But I truly did not. I I was like homeschooled, so I like skipped a grade. So I was like barely sixteen Danielle, when I graduated high school. I was homeschooled and I skipped. A grade oh as well, a grade or two. What grade did well. you skip? What I skip. I went skip? from uh, instead of fifth, I went to seventh grade. Instead, oh, I skipped seventh. Hey. Oh my gosh! Oh, oh my gosh! I bet it was great. Class of two thousand what <laughs> for high school? Oh, I yeah, I graduated two thousand one. Oh, okay. So I don't. Yeah. So I I literally did not get my driver's license. I did not apply to college because <laughs> I was like, dude, the end is coming. I but am wait. Not- so your martyr prophecy was specifically you will die in the end times. Yes. Before wow. I was like sixteen, and then eventually changed to like, well, Y two K is coming, so get ready for that. And right. so I just didn't plan prophecy didn't plan amendment. For anything. <laughs> you didn't plan for midnight. a future because you you thought you were gonna die as like a teenager in this in the war, I guess. Yeah, and it, it wasn't like I was living every day like that. I was just like, you know, this is probably coming. I'm just wow. not going to I'm just not going to like look at colleges. Yeah. And besides, if I don't go to college, I'm just going to like move to Russia and start an orphanage. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You okay. know. So that's a, that's I, that intense was... amount of pressure. And uh, like, wow. I mean, I've heard, you know, intense prophecies before, but uh, an end times martyr. Is, yeah. This is the first time I've heard that one. Yeah, that's it turns that. out like it's a really not fun way to grow up. <laughs> no, and... it turns out it's not super. Well, cool. there's different cultures that we don't you know fully understand like some in some cultures it's it's very much the pressure to become a doctor or even in some cultures a lawyer you have to go to college and in some it is a pressure to die before you're 16 years old (laughs) and never ever ever like make sure you never get tattooed with like a barcode accidentally on your wrist like that would be really bad plantations you know (laughs) yes Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I just have a, I have a lot of these, you know, things things in my life. And so, yeah, I think I did, you know, I wanted to be a missionary. I ended up going to Bible college eventually and then sort of fell into working with refugees in my city of Portland. And it really just upended my life because I think this is probably a common story for people who grew up in such a sheltered Christian environment. You know, your first experience with the real world, you're like, oh my gosh, wait a minute. I don't think this is as right as I was told. And so yeah. it was just, it was, yeah, it started to be on this journey of both questioning like, oh my gosh, is is uh, like America really great for everybody? Because I was working with refugees that were having such a hard time making mm. it in Portland, Oregon, which is supposedly this like liberal progressive place to live. And yet people in poverty like are struggling, like most places in the United States, right? Like minimum wage is not a livable wage for people. There's yeah. horrific racism. My friends were Muslim. And so they experienced a ton of discrimination because of Islamophobia. So all this stuff, I was like, wait a minute, I don't actually think Portland's like 
super great. If you're not just like me. Yeah. And then, of course, that's an exceptional that- thing, probably, too, for like the missionary track you're on, because most American missionary kids, like, we go abroad, you know, we go to the place where it's worse, you know, where we give them the gift of American Christianity, you know, but to discover it on your own soil that like things are really, really hard for people here. Uh, that's an eye opener that maybe not everyone gets until like later in their life, you know? Yeah, and I'm so grateful for it because truly I was just like practicing in Portland before I could go off and do the real work, which is like terrifying. (laughs) But luckily, instead, I just sort of got invited into this other way of thinking and living. And so my refugee friends were like, why don't you come move in? to our apartments with us and why don't you hang out and um you know they also really helped me question this idea of like is my religion good news for anyone who's not just like me mm. and uh you know the answer is no it's not and so once you sort of face that you're left with like okay well how do I move forward and yeah I think my my neighbors have really helped me with that so ever since then I've lived in neighborhoods that are primarily like immigrant and refugee base and and low income but it's just because it's a place that I love living I love raising my kids here and and um, we're having lots of fun but I will say I think I have a lifelong struggle with the whole savior complex all that all that white evangelical baggage Mm. is uh is there which Mm -hmm. which part of the savior complex you 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 fancy yourself a savior or you feel like you put yourself in that kind of position sometimes yeah just like just being raised to be like, I know everything about God and should tell everybody about him. And I'm like 19 years old. <laughs> like It's just, it's like laughable. But like when you're in that world, you're like, of course, I'm white. I'm like evangelical. Like I've been to Bible college for one year. Like I am at the pinnacle of God's <laughs> revelation to earth. And now I'm like, that is horrifying. Yeah. And yet yeah. if I don't think that's still impacts me oh it does like ever since 2015 happened you know I decided to switch gears and be like okay I'm gonna be a missionary to white evangelicals because they are messed up Mm -hmm. and they're my people so I've been writing to them I've been trying to get my people and uh you know it I just I guess we can all say but you know it's obvious that I failed at that Yeah, this is kind of yeah, the state prophecy. of the world now is a little bit on you, right? I mean, I, I was thinking it. I didn't want to say it, but I guess we're going to call it You have it a lot out. of energy, and that's great, but it would have been cool. You also could have seen the results. Yeah, I did a pretty bad job of it. Well, so. what, what's that been like for you? I, I guess I like want to know what has maybe been something that worked a little bit or was a helped bridge or helped people open their minds a little. I think it's hard to say because I only, I tend to like only think about the negative stuff and what doesn't work. So it's mm-hmm. really hard um, to think about that. And yet, hear, at the same well, time, tell me what doesn't work too. I'm interested in that as well. Well, what doesn't work is saying anything that makes people like want that forces them to reconsider their position of power in the world, especially mm-hmm. uh, religious power. And so that has just been really interesting. Big um, yeah, it's stuff like, just changing theology there's just such strict boundaries of like what orthodoxy is or isn't Mm -hmm. and for a while I was just like you know doing the dance of like if I stay within that boundary then I can talk about refugees and immigrants and all this stuff and then eventually you're just like this sucks this really sucks to have to decide which group of people am I going to allow to be dehumanized in order to do some good and so uh, I would say the last year or so is just one of being like I I would just joke like, okay, I'm an evangelical until they kick me out. And then they kind of did. And it's really interesting. (laughs) Like, how do you move forward 
after that, after you were literally told, like, you can no longer write for these magazines. You can no longer publish with these people. Name names. You don't have to. It'd be fun. <laughs> I mean, there's not that many out there. I've probably written for them all. Charisma? Did Charisma <laughs> kick you out? That's the one that did it. But, oh, I would love to, Kevin. I would oh. <laughs> love to write for Charisma. Well, Charisma did the whole uh, John Chris takedown. I should say investigation. I mean, I mean, I'm very intrigued by these few reporters at like World Magazine at Charisma who truly end up doing some really amazing work. It's like a John Grisham level yeah. intrigue, right? Like they're just on the inside until they take down John Chris. I'm like, a, I, I live for that. Make a Pure Flix movie in the vein of Spotlight about those guys and have John yes. Chris play himself in the movie. <laughs> No. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's where you lost me. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, not not for that one. No, 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 no. But you like trick him. You say it's a documentary about him. That would be amazing if Christians made a movie about corruption in the church. And yeah. at like a pure fixed level, it will never happen, but that would be really tight because who better to do it than the inside, you know? Well, you said since twenty fifteen you you felt that this yeah. is your mission. Yeah, I mean just because not sixteen? No, I feel like what calcifying fifteen was it? Well, I feel like twenty fifteen is when Donald Trump started to slowly be making it into the evangelical world, and this is like going to tie back into our theme, Mm -hmm. which we're talking about Frank Mm Peretti and some conspiratorial thinking. Keep us on track, thank you, Daniel. I like I, I, you know, I'm like good at podcasting. Hey, come on, gonna keep us on track. So I remember so vividly watching the video of Trump like gliding down a golden elevator (laughs) in his own hotel and being like, I'm running for president, bitches. And I and like to me, that was like a spiritual experience. I was like, oh, no, I've been told about the Antichrist my whole life. (laughs) There he is. He's here. He's coming. (laughs) And the weird thing was, it was like, he's not coming to kill me. He's literally coming to deport my neighbors. Yeah. And it was a sucky feeling, mm-hmm. let me tell you. So that has been like emblazoned in my mind. And then the past four plus years has just been watching white evangelicals in particular go so wholehearted for Trump and not just Trump, but his policies, his America first policies, his anti-immigrant you know, immigrant rhetoric. They've literally destroyed my life because refugees have not been allowed to come to the country. And I teach literacy to non-literate refugee women i haven't been able to do that first because of covid and secondly because like our doors have literally been closed to refugees for the past few years so it's been it's been a it's been a time of trying to reach out to my community while also being like you are literally ruining so many people's lives there was an executive order today by our new president i know i know well yesterday he rescinded the travel ban. Yeah. And I got to text so many of my friends and neighbors who come yeah. from those countries, who have family members they've been trying have been waiting to, to be in touch in. with. Wow. Like one of my friend, one of my friends, her mom died two years ago, oh. and they- and her mom lived in a country on the travel ban. So my friend couldn't travel oh to visit God. her mom because her mom she wouldn't be let back her. into the U.S. Right? If she, she would be let back into the U.S. What a fucking nightmare! So stuff like that. I'm like. This is so real to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I was even thinking about the title of your podcast, not to be like too dour about it, but like no, Good Christian Fun. Dour it up. Good, Good Christian Fun is a really interesting title. When we think about white evangelicals in the United States, right? They're the number one supporter of Donald Trump and his policies. They're like 100% behind the insurrection that happened on the Capitol on January 6th. They're like the number one people who refuse to engage in public health measures because of COVID-19. And 
they're like one of the hugest groups of people who believe in conspiratorial thinking Mm -hmm. that is kind of like a scourge right in our in our culture right now Mm -hmm. so how do you guys feel about your podcast (laughs) well that like it's literally the backbone of so much that is going wrong right now in podcasting, fun is yeah. Wait, I mean, it's, you're, well, your podcast Wait, is huh? the reason. No, I. Well, we know that uh, <laughs> we're working on it. Yeah, we're uh, trying to book piece. more guests in advance. <laughs> I've been trying to get ahead yeah, of scheduling. Schedule, we've okay? gotten better at. <laughs> Our graphics have improved. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Wait, are you saying that the title of our podcast is ironic because uh, Christians are neither good nor fun <laughs> right now? I mean, there's that. But like in some ways, I think it's really valuable to be interrogating and looking at this Christian subculture and what it's produced. And so like looking at the fruits of like all this Christian pop culture stuff that you guys look at, I'm like, oh, this yeah. is the time. This is the time to do it and to have this spotlight on it. Yes. And much oh. like the crooked media guys who started that company, uh, we felt a call to do so when we started GCF. <laughs> it definitely wasn't like a super calculated financial decision on our part of like, I don't know. On your part. Be fun to- <laughs> um, it was fun. I mean, it wasn't like. Yeah, that wasn't the intention, obviously, when we started this. But I would say that, like, everything we have watched going back, you know, to the 70s and 80s up until now, yeah, you can draw a pretty straight line of, like, where the wild theories are born, where this narrative is born that a white Christian is neutral, normal in America and, like, the Mm. default personhood of of an American person and, like, all that stuff. Yeah, it's all in here. And it really really does suck a lot of the joy out of (laughs) reviewing these things a lot of the time because it's, like, like you said, there's – some of it is just dumb and silly, but some of it does have very real – world consequences of how people perceive Christianity and stuff, you know, like Frank Preddy and Carmen and Left Behind, like people have incorporated that legitimately into their theology yeah, and therefore their politics and how the world is, is, you know, functioning. And like Frank Preddy doesn't know like about politics very much, you know, and like <laughs> <laughs> the guys that wrote uh, or the guy that wrote Left Behind. Yeah. Like they're not incredible biblical scholars, obviously. And so... It's it's pretty dark. It's pretty sad. Well, and I think too the uh, the true intention of the title was that it could be read it like a Rorschach test, in the sense of uh, some sort of ironic disposition mm-hmm. and almost a sarcastic like, yeah, I guess this is fun even when it's super <laughs> fucked up. But then also too to trick people and then make them leave negative reviews. But truly, like to have some fun with the stuff that's like yes yeah, still skanking with your husband in the bedroom to oc supertones and then like holding on to those things but at the same time like the 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 acidic uh nature of some of this stuff in in re-examining it and like caroline said yes it is a straight line it, it's pretty much a straight line there's a few deviations and a few interesting mm-hmm, outliers mm-hmm. but for the most part it's like it's one narrative, uh, especially because we, we're not really looking at anything pre, definitely not pre-70s, but mostly pre-80s or 90s and the rise of religious right in the country. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, which that, is where most of, the, like, the time that I think most of the boomers were sort of radicalized into this, like, yeah, the religious right yeah. moment was those, those decades. I know. I hope we've done a lot of it justice. I mean, you would, you would know better than we do, because I think you probably actually have more... <laughs> No, I think no, I think 
I think it's amazing there's the space you guys have created if I can be really earnest for a second just like how few places people who grew up within evangelical Christianity in particular have to talk about like the cognitive dissonance of growing up in this space and if people want to pursue any kind of faith moving forward it's like what options do we have when again like white evangelical Christians are making headlines for like so many horrific things at this point current moment it's just it's hard so I think this is an awesome space I think you guys have done such a good job and you know I'm like always emailing like New York Times reporters like you all need to be reporting more on Carmen <laughs> honestly <laughs> you, guys, yeah. you guys need to be reporting you on to like understand Hillsong him. worship music like they don't understand that worship music is political now like mm-hmm. worship music has been politicized in the United States and so I'm just like really annoyed religion reporters because I'm like get on this beat and they're like what are you talking now <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on one thing you said Danielle because you said okay, worship worship music is political now, in the case of Kim Walker Smith, who is a worship leader, and she did contribute a uh, song to a documentary uh, uh, that consisted of a litany of women talking about how great Donald Trump is and how he's a good man and he didn't rape them, so he's a good man. Um, she was accused of some Christian nationalism, but she did say in a video that she doesn't know what Christian nationalism is. Yeah. So, so she can't be one. So it's not political. I'm sorry. Like, if you yeah, don't know what music. something is, you're not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched that video because I cyber bully Kim Walker Smith on Instagram. That's like one of my ministries that uh, I engage in. You haven't been blocked. And That's good. No. And so the thing is, is like people don't block me because they're scared of me sometimes. Like Sean Foyt, him and I have had like an epic public. That's know, sorry. You. It's pronounced Sean fucked. Sean I fucked. I'm I can't, sorry. I can't, I can't, I can't say that. That's a part of my testimony is I'm still Christian enough where I like can't do <laughs> That's that. That's Okay. Deal. But, I'm just um, saying you're disrespectful his name by not yeah i mean it's just it's culturally insensitive (laughs) oh okay then it's intentional intentional. (laughs) Uh, kim walker kim's kim walker smith gets me because she's like totally get like sean foyt gets talked about a lot but kim walker smith is just as bad except she's a white woman who's like i don't even know what christian nationalism is and so i just have people go bully her until she turns the comments off on her post she did she did turn the comments oh she did several times because i i sent i sent my friends i think i saw those posts and that's how i saw that video i think because we followed each other for a little bit so yes, that's oh, that's totally a, oh gracious! What a great ministry! I know you do. Know. You do wish some more people would kind of just step in it, like get more explicit, like like Smitty. To my aside from uh, Michael W. Smith, aside from participating in one of those maskless, essentially terrorist attacks uh, in the guise of a of a singing rally, he doesn't post explicitly political stuff, and I kind of want him to a little bit well, more. He has. Did you not know this? Wait, did he recently? Wanna, do you guys want me to ruin Michael W. Smith for you? Well, Please. I just I just want to say that <laughs> <No>. he... <laughs> so there was this book that came out called A Patriot's Guide to the History of the United States, which was like published... It, you know, in opposition to Howard Zinn's, right? A People's History of the United yeah. States. Oh, and so boy. the Patriot's Guide to the United States has all these American flags and it's all about a Christian nation. And so Michael W. Smith endorsed that book and made a video <laughs> about he endorsed it. And like a part of me is like, oh, that's just him. But I read that book for research purposes yeah. and it is like toxic pretty bad Christian nationalism to the point where like anybody who read that was like raring to go. 
If you mm-hmm. zoom like, into the take, stars take, and the flag, over it's the, the star of Bethlehem. And that represents Israel. All that means we're gonna- It is like such fringe Christian nationalism mm-hmm. to, to have Michael Davidson not only endorse it, but like make videos about it. And you know, he has this whole song where he has this like American flag that comes out on the stage and like all this stuff. It's like <laughs> flaggy. He's, again, I want us to come for him because yeah. that's the people that get the most people into this sort of he's got this sweet little voice you know and you just think that's out of the question that he would ever do that i used to rollerblade to his songs in my garage in cody wyoming it's been hard it's been really tough in cody wyoming a young danielle just dreaming of being killed at gunpoint for being a christian arm in arm with michael w smith on the front lines rollerblading for the lord How often have you like kind of come for a you know a fellow Christian in the comments or in in the writings or whatever, and then that Christian has said that you are not actually a Christian, so they don't need to like handle your criticism. Mm. Yeah, they don't usually give me that one, but it's like a lot of you know you're a very divisive young woman, a divisive, and um. It's just, it's interesting. I, I do make a few enemies and I don't like it. I'm actually like a really anxious person and I hate conflict. And yet there's like something <laughs> wow. in my personality that's like, ah, ah, you know, if I see something. So like, you know, obviously there's the normal Christian feuds of like Dave Ramsey. You know, me and Dave Ramsey have beef, man. And he blocked Ugh. me a long time ago. Good. Then there's also people like Eric Metaxas, right? Who wrote this oh, biography God. on Who is Dietrich that? Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he's like this alt-right guy now. Now he became this alt-right. But he was like this intellectual like darling mm-hmm. of conservative Christianity for so oh. long. And I was like, this this guy's a turd. And he's like, now he's like hand in hand with the My Pillow guy. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like no, this whole thing. They're touching thing. pillows, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but even people like like Bob Goff, you know, I've tweeted some things about him and he got so Wait, mad. can you give me some Bob Goff tea? Because Bob he was Goff like is a part of the family. My friends He's a part a of the family. The family. Did you ever watch that yes, Netflix? Yes, yes, yes. The documentary, documentary that's about the family. It's this uh, essentially a fraternity that's uh, the predicated on putting certain people in positions of political power for Christian influence. And Bob Goff no. is a part of yeah. So Bob Goff is a part of the family. And so he doesn't want people to know that. But I'm like, you are, bud. Uh, Apparently love doesn't, Bob. Okay. And at the back of his book, he has like his phone number. Like, you can call me anytime. So I I was like, hey, guys, hey, friends on Twitter. Like, call him and ask him (laughs) if he's in the family. Have you ever talked to him on that? You're like a troll for justice. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm like, this guy gets rich and famous by saying, I'm just an awesome guy. I just love Jesus. All these awesome things happen to me. I'm super rich. Mm-hmm. My phone number's nice. in the back of my book. Call me. I'm a real guy. And I'm like, okay, I'll call you and ask you if you're in the family. Mm. And then you're going to block me. Who you know else is I mean? part it's of the just... family? Who else has been like risen to power or like gotten fame? It's like fame? a really intense thing. I've actually read an entire book by Jeff Shartlett about it, which I would really recommend people look into. He's a journalist who has, you know, really worked on this. But Bob Goff talks a lot about like doing work in Uganda and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, he was helping place leaders, you know, who are interested in white evangelical efforts into power in Uganda. You know, they're a part of like some of that awful stuff about homosexuality. Uh. He actually is like famous for like 
uh, going for the death penalty against witch doctors. So like I tweeted oh one time, like God. love oh does God. institute the death penalty in Uganda. You know, Whoa. like it didn't happen Execution before Bob Goff was involved. Wow. So I'm not saying everything he does is bad or wrong or any of that. I'm just saying if you're a really rich, really famous person, it should be okay to ask questions about uh what's what's all going on here. i i'm i'm all for that i agree that's why i love kevin i mean you have these mad creds with ellen so oh in my, my mind you're a rock star <laughs> i mean yes i i guess that's my version of holding bob goff to account <laughs> wait well, is michael tate a part of the family are any of the dc Tech oh boys? he's got he's got other stuff going on oh he's we know we know family. he's got yeah. other stuff okay, okay. <laughs> I want to invite these people on, but then invite you back on, and then Caroline and I just kind of moderate. We're like, yeah, we're like the two old men and the Muppets and the Stellar Waldorf. We're just like having a dialogue. We're going to, like, Caroline and I have talked about this for 2021. For the podcast, we're pivoting to Borat. We've already had. Um, I some, can't do it. I don't have the we're courage. We're going to do it. We're pivoting. I we're, can't do it. We're going to have people on that host. we disagree with, but we're going to trick them into <laughs> being on the show. We already kind of did it, like whether we wanted to or not. We did. Actually, is that episode? That episode. With me? No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not with you. No. with. I think the episode actually hasn't come out yet. But I mean. Well, I guess so, yeah. Yeah. In some ways, right? I mean, we do not align on in some ways with said person oh we'll tell you uh, interesting. Yes. interesting interesting yeah but anyway yeah. when we pivot to borat we can do our thing and then say we're gonna invite in a third panelist <laughs> they just like <laughs> come with fire and you obliterate them and then we're wait dl is there anybody else we should know about that has some skeletons Let's put oh, it out you there. you know, right now I really am big on. Yeah, what's the, the goss? Di- what's the? Hot- I just want to know the goss. We, yeah, we got like, the goss. I feel like goss. you have we dropped some like more. seventeen new items of goss that I should know, and the I didn't. Sad- I love gossip. Sad- it's fun. <laughs> the sad thing is, like, I'm sure you guys are aware. You know, being where you are and in some of the relationships you have, like, mm-hmm. there are just certain industries that attract like narcissistic personalities that are not used to being pressed and are not used to being held accountable and so it can feel really awful when they are and they respond in really horrific ways and so that is just something to be on the lookout for with your favorite Christian celebrities how they respond when they are um, you know asked for accountability that was just that's just something I'm going to leave out there you know Dave Ramsey right now is in the news because of these like horrific work conditions he has at Ramsey these financial solutions is he's like this he's like this money guy i mean i knew who he was yeah well tell him real quick like what is his mo like dave ramsey's thing dave ramsey is all about yeah like you put your money in envelopes you get out of debt hey stupid stop buying a latte if you stop buying lattes you can buy a house next year yeah Yeah. like that's literally what he says avocado toast or mortgage energy oh yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. it's very like the individual was responsible for whatever debt or financial gains you have basically yeah and so he's super popular not just within the christian world he's like one of the one of the most like I think downloaded podcasts, like especially wow. on money. He, but he's like this super toxic guy who sprinkles a Bible verse from Proverbs in it, and he's basically teaching all these middle class people how to hoard their wealth, mm-hmm. and then he teaches them to shame people in poverty. He said, "If you're poor in the United States, like the only reason for that is your bad choices. Mm-hmm. There is no systemic issues keeping people from accessing wealth." And so, 
I think that's what really, you know, gets my goat. It's like he's teaching people to actually hate poor people more than we already do in this yeah. classist, you know, society we have been born into. So I really want Dave Ramsey to go down. I'm Wait, going what were to these just... work conditions you were just about to say? Well, he's super racist, super sexist, is a COVID denier, you know, mm. and like there's all these reports like he brings guns to meetings, <laughs> like he really clamps down. Cartoon. So they <laughs> He, he just fired somebody because their husband at a party said something negative about Dave Ramsey. Wow. Now, if and that, if you, I you. need you guys to Google this right now. Oh, no, so, I already did. I brought it up. The letter. Religious News Services, right? Yep. Did this article about him. And yep. then Ramsey Solutions, their official PR response. Kevin, do you want to read any of it? Okay. So they did this article exposing all this, you know, just toxicity in the workplace. And the Dave Ramsey company official official letter not just like some guy going off on twitter before he gets fired but their official statement on it was thanks for reaching out we want to confirm for you that you are right we are horrible evil people we exist to simply bring harm to our team take advantage of our customers and spread covid and you figured it all out wow who would have guessed that an unemployed guy oh i am sorry a freelance reporter would be the one to show us how horrible we are so we can change and to let the world know of our evil intent secrets and complete disregard for decency but you did it you with all your top-notch investigative skills have been able to weave together a series of half truths to expose our evil ways. You are truly amazing. If you are on this email, we would ask a favor for Ramsey. Would you help us? Bob's phone number and email are here, and we would ask that you con- him. We contact him to that you contact him today and tell him all the evil, horrible stories you <gasps> know about us. They doxed this reporter. Also, they gave out his phone number. Oh my he God. lives in Spring his Hill. Address. So if you see oh him out and about, be sure to congratulate him on his virtue. He needs oh to sell God. the story to pay his rent. And the dirtier your story on us, the more we can help him when you call please do not be mean bob already has a lot of anxiety and we don't want to add to that if his phone is overwhelmed or he doesn't want to hear your story you should contact religious news service and tell them of bob's amazing grasp on virtue and truth you can also tell them of all the people that have been helped by his pursuit of truth throughout the years as we all all have followed his career in quotes it is time the world knows about bob and the blessing has been to so many which is so fucking unhinged but well it also aligns, I will say, the tone and tenor and that sort of tact when challenged on something. I have found to be the case with the people in my life when challenged on something. You're like, yeah, yeah, I'm racist. Yeah, I guess I'm just a big racist, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, thanks for figuring that out about me. It is so part and parcel. It's not just the sarcasm, because it, it goes on and on, and the personal attack, and the doxing, yeah, the and doxing the threatening, is, basically, yes, and telling him to also call the employer and tell them to like harass him too. Like, oh, it's so wow, that is so nuts. Okay, I this is, I mean, all of that stuff is obviously evil, and I'm happy on that level, but I'm also happy on the level where in college I considered myself a lazy Christian because I did not read Bob Goff, I did not look into Dave Ramsey, I felt like I should. And I always felt kind of bad about it. And now, just one by one, these these uh, these pillars are falling, and I I feel a delight on a personal level as well. Well, and let's just say Bob Goff is very different from Dave Ramsey. All that stuff. Y- yes, Bob's I, I just, more of a sneaky deaky thing. Dave Ramsey is well, like I, an unhinged psycho. <laughs> I don't have a lot to say about Bob Goff. Just like you shouldn't be weird about people asking you questions. Dave yes. Ramsey, on the other hand, that that's classic narcissistic abuser who has been yeah. called out. Yeah, he's yeah. like in a he's he's like handshake emoji with Mark Driscoll shit. 
like he is. And they just don't, don't think anything calling is for the change. death penalty for people in a different country. That's pretty evil in my book too. Like I don't know if I need to. But a different that. kind of evil is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Different kind of evil. True. Oh man. Oh, Do you gosh. ever just wonder, Danielle? <laughs> though, like, is there is there something rotten with American Christianity? Is there something a little bit rotten with Christianity? Yes. yes. Wait, you're so saying which one? Yeah, I'm saying I'm saying at some point you have to look at the fruit of a movement of a religious movement. And I would say white evangelical Christianity in the United States is rotten to the core. And I am from that community. Well, what about Christianity, period, like regardless of say, the adjectives? I would say no. <laughs> and that's like a really exciting place for me is just to say white evangelicalism in the U.S. is just like a tiny slice of like a global historic Christianity. Mm-hmm. And there's actual practices within this wider branch of Christianity that I was like that we actually I need moving forward in life. If I want to spend the rest of my life, you know, taking down Dave Ramsey on Twitter, <laughs> you know, I'm going to need some spiritual practices in my life, including like confession, repentance, lament, you know, hope, joy, all these things. So I'm like, I really am excited about, you, you know, part of me growing up like my bible college we only had white dudes from a certain seminary that we read books by you know mm-hmm. it's just like well thank goodness i don't have to do that anymore and there's so many other people that i can learn about their faith experiences and i i still mostly am in christianity uh it's just it's kind of awesome it's so much bigger yeah. than us thank goodness yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean are you the kind of I, i'm gonna ask this isn't a confrontational question i don't think but like the 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 way your christianity manifests because your husband is christian too right are you raising your kids christian as well Yes, yes. <laughs> it's just different because I was, it was so intensely a part of my childhood and linked to like parental approval. I just downplay it to the point where like my daughter's been asking to be baptized for forever. And I'm like, well, maybe we'll talk about it later next year. Oh, that's funny. It's like a call you know? or something. Yeah. 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 Maybe when you're 16. Maybe, Let's maybe next have a conversation year. I'm not ready later. for that. I'm not ready but for I was, was going to ask if, if your faith is such that it's a bummer that Caroline and I are not more Christian. Do you know what I mean by that? Where it's like, we're not more committed to the cause or like we're, we're not as we don't align maybe on some like theological, epistemological, whatever the, 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 the the worldview essentially of, of Christian faith in some ways. Yeah. Do you want my honest answer? I'm just like, you guys have a podcast about Christian culture. So like you're in, in my in my view, I'm like you are my good people. Enough. Okay, great. you know what I mean, right? Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. No. And and I believe that obviously, but like, ju- uh, I guess I'm just so used to uh, people not feeling anger towards me, but feeling grief about me. Oh, if that makes sense. Interesting. And I don't about sense your of, faith. Yeah, or just like how shitty I am. You know, I remember like way back in the day, I had a very close Christian friend who said, even like the conversations we were having on this show and off mic, I, it felt like I was taking a gun to the head of Christianity and holding it hostage, what? which, you know, was an interesting metaphor. Oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> no, I'm like, we have to talk about, it. we have to joke about it. We have to, uh, and maybe this is just my perception, but it's like, it's, Evangelical Christianity has created so much grief for me. I'm just mm-hmm. grateful to anyone who is willing to interrogate it in whatever way 
they want to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. Then I, th- yeah, I think deal. we're on the same page. Because, and because I, I know I'm a very religious person and I do not expect most people to be like me. Okay. Is the other thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's totally fair. Yeah. And, and for whoever we have on that's like more spiritual than us or more atheist or more agnostic than us. I mean, I feel like hopefully that street goes both ways for everybody. But I think, I think sometimes there's even just like an implicit threat I feel <laughs> when I do encounter someone, an impl- not explicit at all, but I'm saying an implicit thing of like, not like, is this person pissed or judging me, but just like the weird, are you disappointed? <laughs> you know, are yeah, you should be more Christian, Kevin. But, you, you know, to tell you that? Okay. Do, does this feeling, I'm not saying you feel it, Caroline, but does this feeling make sense the way I'm describing it? Yeah, I know what you're describing. I don't I don't think I really you, feel that you don't so much feel anymore. It. I know you don't. No, but I know what you mean of kind of like um like you know people are being tolerant and like being uh you know accepting of like where you're at, yeah. but they kind of wish you would like step it Get up it a little together. bit or like if they had a dream, you know, it right. would be like you would also be quoting bible verses more often yes, or yes, like yes, a yes. little bit more actively part of a church or something like that, you know. Yeah. And- than what you just are. And I am who I am, much like Popeye said. Which is a l- Christian loose, Christian loser guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I'm Christian so curious. Loose. I'm like, where, where are you guys? I don't know. What's you know? You guys need to do some updated, you know, testimonies, right? Should yeah. we have like and, uh, a yearly, how's your heart like check a, in? Like a performance review, like an yeah. Oh, how's review. your heart check in? That's old school. Yeah, old school for this podcast. We like discontinued it for no reason. <laughs> well, Danielle, we could talk all day about this stuff. Truly. Uh, thank you for sharing the parts of your st- story that you have shared. I feel like we didn't get to half of it, but it was it was so lovely to hear. And especially to hear this kind of perspective. I feel like we haven't had quite your perspective on the show before. My energy of it's, wanting it to take rules. people down. It it totally <laughs> rocks, but yeah, we just haven't We're we so just specific haven't had too. It on the yeah, on the show I before. So it's lovely uh-huh. to hear. Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with more good Christian fun. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Love being, uh, doing this Christian podcast. Hey, <laughs> no problematic folks ever. <laughs> it's only problematic folks. It is only That's problematic rich people. <laughs> That's that what I'm saying. That is how it is. We can have them on if we pivot to Bora. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I we should- do it. If we have you Kirk Cameron have on, Eric Metaxas on, I Eric know Metaxas. we should have Kirk Cameron. You would do on. it. <laughs> Welcome back to Good Christian Fun. It's time to dive into the topic. Come on, let's go. I'm, oh, I'm having a nice time today. Uh, 
Christian popular culture. I mean, is it literally just everything we've ever talked about on this show? Is your experience with it or your connection to Christian pop culture, Danielle? Wait. What? Yeah, that Sorry. was a really weird way what? to phrase that question. Sorry, what, what are you Christian asking? pop culture. Like it? Is love it? it me? Leave it? it? Yes or no? It's a simple yes or no question. Is it a yes it's or a no? It's a no for me, but sadly a yes. Because Ooh, but also yes. it's the soup. It's the soup I was, you know. Well, usually I say, what is your history of Christian pop culture? And then oh. I think I just left that part out. I said, is it just everything we've ever talked about on the show? I'm like, I think that's what your podcast is about. <laughs> I think so. Yes. But I mean, like specifically, because I know you host a podcast yeah. where you talk about episodes of Adventures and Odyssey. Uh-huh. And the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You've done a, a yep. series on that as well, a season on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Evangelical Artifacts of the 80s and 90s. I feel like everything you guys have talked about on the show is very familiar to me, except some of like the Christian movies, because I just can't. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pay money to see mm. some of these Christian films. You know what I mean? Mm. You had discernment but, uh, at the time. Oh, yeah. I have the gift of discernment. Thank you so much, Carolyn. And the gift of dying in the end times. I so do. Except trust. actually, I don't. <laughs> Turns out I evaded that pretty well, nicely. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that's it's that's what we do. So do you have any like big favorites, like the bands that you loved or that you saw yourself in or you like really like be- aligned with? Well, isn't that a sad phrase? Like who could I see myself in, right? There's in really like Christian... two groups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, this is something I left out of my guest testimony is that I started a Christian evangelical, like literally evangelical to evangelize people, like a pop punk band when I was 13. Let's oh, go. Yes. What was it called? About. <laughs> it was called Agnes United. And I think we thought Agnes was like a, a Latin word. Like Agnes Day? Yeah, there we oh. go. That's why. Yeah. And um, we but, toured but out loud, Northern California. It seems like a homonym for just an old lady. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did rock like an old lady look from very young. Okay. Even in like punk culture, you know, uh-huh. like Christian punk culture. So we like toured Northern California. I was like... So I was 13 and I got all these older like youth group kids and my sister to like be in the band. And I was like, listen, oh my gosh, we're teaching great. the kids about Jesus. We got like interviewed in our local paper and I yes. was like wearing this like dog chain necklace and like my hair was like bleached and like poofy. Being a light. And I was like, Christians can be punk rockers too. And they put <laughs> it in the newspaper and I was like, I've made it. Like I <laughs> have done the Lord's work. That is a dream to be published in the media yeah. And have them say Christ is punk. You know, I said that Christians is cool. can be punk rockers too. I will never forget it. I will never <laughs> so great. forget it. Oh my gosh. But there was no Agnes United taught me it was okay to be weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to sing songs that could be about your sister's boyfriend or Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Your sister's boyfriend, not your boyfriend. <laughs> I never had a boyfriend. Are it's you kidding me? Two degrees me? away. <laughs> I never had a boyfriend because I was going to be a missionary. Also, I didn't know this back then, but like obviously since I could not see, there's no women, there's no girls in the pop punk scene, in the Uh. music scene in Christian world. I literally dressed like a boy. And cut my hair short and bleached it and wore dog ties. I had like the skater like oh, wow. wallet with the, the chain. Style. And like looking back, I was like, I look like the cutest little lesbian you ever Aww. did see. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like trying to fit in. Isn't that like sad? Wait, wasn't and- Barlow Girl like kind of pop pop? No. They no? were pop. Caroline. They were just straight pop. They were not okay. punk. Yeah. No, Wait. I just, you know, I disdained wow. them. Barlow, really stinks. Yeah. Barlow Girl. Barlow Girl. 
Yeah. And then Super Chick. Zoe Girl. Oh, Super not Chick. Zoe you Girl. <laughs> you guys are in the rock genre. <laughs> what about Plum? <laughs> Plum's kind of almost alt rock. It's not I liked punk, Plum but... when I was 12, but then like when I was 13, I was like, oh my gosh. Bleach is, is a Christian band. Cutlass. I was like, I was into MXPX yeah, and yeah, Slick yeah, Shoes. No, okay, and, Super Chick totally know. had a pop thing or punk thing going on, or like at least kind of a scene thing going on. It was like I'm movie sorry. punk, though. It wasn't mm-hmm. like actually, it wasn't like Johnny Rotten, Sid. Vin- yeah, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was a sanitizer. But it was vests. It was side bangs. <laughs> oh, the side bangs. And they might have been a little after my time, too. You know, maybe I yeah, was just yeah. a little too. Okay. But my husband is actually, he's working on a podcast about um, evangelical hardcore music and oh, nice. like the lyrics and how they're just like so filled with shame and how like people hate themselves. And he's like, if you look at tooth and nail hardcore bands and their lyrics from like the 90s, you will see all the secrets in evangelicalism's basement. It's like they're all good. there. Mm. And I'm like, okay, a therapist who is in hardcore is like a good person to delve into all that because I, you know, it's just a lot. I would argue it. It's actually in every genre of Christian pop music that we've talked about. The self-hatred. I mean, we it's like it becomes like one of our cliche songs on this show. No, I would say it's not in Michael W. Smith's instrumental work. I would say, well, actually, there's a few songs. No, where kind it's of like, the cello does the say cello like, sounds Fuck like I'm me. a piece of shit. <laughs> the greatest of sinners am I. <laughs> <laughs> wait, did you wait? I want to ask if you had like Christian crushes. Okay, this is like not music related, mm-hmm. but you know who I had a huge crush on yeah. when I was like finally like, okay, I'm not dying in the end of the world. Um, I had a huge crush on. Don Miller, who wrote that book, Blue Like Blue Jazz, Jazz. Yes. big deal. Yes. Was like this big deal in the Christian world. And like a lot of people in Portland know him because he writes about Portland, he writes about the church. And I would like go to church there and be like, where's my future husband? Yes. Where is he? Well, now he like works with Dave Ramsey. So I dodged a bullet, guys. I did not. Yeah. Well, marry Don, him. Don missed, he missed the train, you know, and that's too bad for him. He <laughs> said, well, didn't he say shit in Blue Like Jazz? Ooh, you know, I don't remember. He did but swear, and it was a was revolution. Edgy. Yeah, he, he was, was edgy. Like, he was all Bible yes. and chocolate. Also, you he can... Was dancing the line. Yeah, Mike Maharg, uh, friend of the show, he is in uh, the Blue Like Jazz movie. He has a little cameo in one of oh, the pews. Does? I've seen yeah. that movie, but yeah. I don't remember that. He's in one oh of the gosh. church scenes. Uh, yeah, so I'm sure... I kind of like that movie, because it was filmed in Portland, and I recognized the college they shot it at and stuff. It was cool. It's Ryan Gosling's favorite movie. I'm <laughs> he sure loves it is. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he loves it. Actually, it's Lauren Daigle's favorite. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, don't, yeah, yeah, right. don't bring her <laughs> Number one jazz girl. Wait, I'm getting... Oh, no. The uh, report's coming in on the AP. Lauren Daigle has rode her bike to the White House <laughs> to throw Joe Biden. But she's she didn't know she was going there. She just showed up, and she's throwing Joe Biden out of the with Oval With her friend. She was barefoot. Somehow she ended up in Mar-a-Lago. She doesn't know how, but she figured she'd jump in the pool and she just is. play around with everybody. <laughs> I like hers like an accidental Lance Armstrong alt-right terrorist. <laughs> Where she just rides to these like horrific events. She's like, well, I didn't know. And here I <laughs> am, baby. music called me. <laughs> oh, oh that rocks. Oh, shouts out to Lauren, who we'll have on the show by the end of the year and ask her all the soft <laughs> questions. <laughs> uh, another subject you've covered on your podcast on the Prophetic Imagination Station is 
Frank Peretti, the author mm-hmm. of books like This Present Darkness, Piercing Through the Darkness, Darkness on the Edge of Town, the Bruce Springsteen album, <laughs> The Darkness, which is the band that sang, I believe in a thing called love. Uh, and then other, yeah, that song. dark, dark movies. Dark, dark on Netflix, he wrote that. <laughs> Hangman's Curse. Yes. It's a big one for the tweens. Tilly. Have you read Tilly? (laughs) (laughs) What was his memoir called? It was like the monster in the man. The wounded spirit. Yes, 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 yes. That's what it was. Uh Dude, that that book kind of wrecked me, honestly. Really? Because I reread it recently. It makes you sad to read it, is what you're saying? Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, he had a tough childhood. It was not not easy for him. Yeah, and to contextualize it, Frank Peretti, and you can probably do this better than us, Danielle, but he's the, the comp, if we're saying like, this person is the Christian this. Lauren Daigle is the Christian Adele. Frank Peretti is kind of the Christian Stephen King. Except oh, yeah, arguably he has less Christian elements in his books than Stephen <laughs> yeah. King does. So true. <laughs> Stephen King is the Christian Frank Peretti. Yes. It's what it feels like. But this was the big deal because um, uh, This Present Darkness was a book that came out in 1986. It sold very slowly for a time and then it got a bump at a certain mm-hmm. point. The, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and just a, like a little synopsis of the book, it's about a small town in which demonic forces are at work and people have to band together and pray the demons out, blah, 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 good versus evil. Uh, but it was a, a book that was slow selling. And then it got, um, I guess, the evangelical equivalent of an Oprah's book club bump in the form of who, Danielle? Who gave this book this bump? You know, friend of the show, Amy Grant. <laughs> She no. started talking about it on her tour. It turns out her and Stephen Curtis Chapman were on tour together and they had a book club. They picked up this little book because it was Christian <laughs> and she loved it. She started talking about it at all her shows and it started selling like hotcakes. Well, yet again, she's an icon in the music and the literary world. And am I surprised? No. <laughs> right. I mean, it all goes back to Amy. Honestly. The influence. The influence of Amy. Yeah. Wow. Although, unfortunately, unlike Oprah, she didn't have a James Avery, a million little pieces follow up where she said like okay i know now that demons don't actually work like this what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> y'all remember that that was such a big deal when opera confronted that memoirist about him it was awesome making up his I mean, life <laughs> yeah no surprise here but i found that a thrilling moment of <laughs> yes <laughs> and i found so, a new kink oprah yelling at me uh, uh, yeah there you go well, i'll settle for gail yelling at me <laughs> Oh, I was going to ask, um, so did you read the, any of his books as like a kid or a teen? I grew up reading them a bunch. I'm really curious if either of you guys read his books. Because This Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness are definitely his most famous books, but he's written like tons of them. I read The Hangman's Curse. Oh. Um, I was unfortunately in a period where I was reading teen books about demons, and that was a mistake. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I remember reading that, and I remember actually really liking it. I thought it was like a pretty exciting book Mm -hmm. but maybe not my favorite but I thought it was pretty cool and it kind of like yeah it scratched this like edgy kind of itch for me of like yeah this is Christian but also it's like a little bit creepy and Mm -hmm. like bad it's one of the books he wrote specifically geared towards a teenage audience yeah Mm -hmm. because a lot of teens die in this book too or get like well centers around a suicide yeah yeah Uh, the story okay it's about a supernatural case by a family of investigators who make up the Veritas Project, a.k.a. the family. Uh, about 70 years ago, <laughs> there's a suicide student in high school, hanged himself. Oh, so gruesome. 
So sad. Jocks yeah. from the school's football team begin to lose their sanity after seeing what they believe to be Abel's ghost, which is rumored to be under the control of a group of witches out for revenge. Abel's ghost makes them go into a coma-like feel. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and there was a movie. There was a movie uh, with Keith, da- David Keith and Leighton Meester was in the movie. Right. Oh, Leighton Meester. I never saw it, though. I never saw it. I didn't either. Um, yeah, that was that was a little past my time. Oh, um, okay. But Kevin, did you ever read the like this present darkness or those books? No, we had them in the house, and we were. I mean, it's like you were an Amy Grant house or a Sandy Patty house, but we were mostly a Left Behind house instead of Ooh, uh, instead of this I present see, darkness I see, house. I see. Although it's arguable, and and you go into great lengths and in depths on this on your podcast, but. But people remember Left Behind, but as far as like the influence of the religious right in America, it feels like Peretti has a much more long-lasting influence on the culture than LaHaye and Jenkins do with their Left Behind series. It's a bold claim. Just because of the way things are framed. I mean, because there's like weird right-wing stuff and Israel stuff in the Left Behind books, but there's a there is a consistent strain of villainy and ideology in the Peretti work. Abortion is the worst evil. People lying about abuse, sexual abuse, assault, child abuse, like stuff like that. New age people. New age oh, yeah. people. Yeah, yes. new age is a huge thing. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating because, again, this may seem weird to people if you've never heard of these books, but I do think there is value in interrogating these things that have really formed and shaped the evangelical imagination Mm -hmm. and like this these christian horror books really have done that for so many people i feel like kevin you had these in your home like any you know non-denominational church in the 90s like had copies of these in their church library and people read it and the reason why amy grant was like super into this there's like this historian who's done all this work on is like she was in this horrible place in her life like her husband was addicted to cocaine like she wanted to get divorced from him like she just had a miscarriage like her her sense of like herself in the world was really crumbling and then she read this book that was like guess what everything's a spiritual battle and guess what if you just pray like these really specific prayers like jesus help me god help me like you can be victorious over all these horrible things happening in your Mm -hmm. life and it gives a sense of ownership of power of control and like this way to view the world where you're like i'm a part of this huge cosmic thing it's really awesome it's really great and she really found like a lot of like identity and help for this really hard time in her life and I think evangelicals in the 80s and 90s were really like that they're like we're so divorced from being connected to anything supernatural we don't know what to do because the culture is changing and we're losing cultural power oh here's this book that teaches us like oh if we it's all demons (laughs) you know and it's like demons possessing the world through the new age moment movement which is like really hilarious in retrospect um you know, any sense of diversity, I guess, is Satan. That's like what these books Pluralism portray. is where it all right. Pluralism is Diversity is, is Satan. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like he sets the book in this town in Colorado that is all white. It's like a Norman Rockwell painting. Like even the book covers are supposed to look very Rockwell. It's like this tiny little lone white church with like a little cross. And like overhead is this like demonic force like coming for it. Mm-hmm. And it's all connected to the college in the town. <laughs> and all the professors at the college are like under the spell of this one woman who is possessed by the demonic. And so when students come to her for help, she ends up getting them d- possessed. All this stuff happens. So it's a uh, 
it sounds silly and it's like really great reading because it does move quickly. He is a pretty good like suspense writer. Mm. But when you take a step back from it, what I found out was like, this is just a pretty classic conspiratorial novel. And these are like really popular for a reason, like the Da Vinci Code and John Grisham and Michael Crichton. Like we like to think like maybe there's something big going on behind the scenes. And when you're the reader, you get to be like, now I get it. Now I'm now I understand what's going on. Yeah. The sad thing about Frank Peretti is people would read that book and be like, Okay, and this is real life. Now, in real life, I'm one of the few who understands that there's demons at work in the world. I'm one of the only few who know the truth. And I have this awesome way of throwing out these incantations or prayers, as he calls them in the book, right? Mm -hmm, (laughs) To keep mm -hmm. me and my people safe. And that's, I think, what makes it so scary and so awful is like people just took it for their real lives. And like, this is actual theology. I don't think he yeah. meant it that way at all, but um, well, in fact, didn't he have to like he added warnings or like yeah. disclaimers to future editions yeah. of the books where he's like, uh, it, he "It's was not saying, a this manual. This is not a spiritual warfare manual." Yeah. But I mean, was did... like was spiritual warfare as a concept like in the way he painted it of literal demons and angels like playing with our lives and and using people as tools? Was that a big concept pre-80s, pre-this book, I guess? Only in certain Pentecostal places. So he's like basically the most famous Assemblies of God fiction writer in the world. (laughs) That's probably like a really small genre of people. (laughs) He's like the top. He's like the the top, top, right? Of the Assemblies of God. And he really did sort of, you know, make this more you know charismatic stuff mainstream and a lot of people are like oh my gosh I yeah, can see demons it like, is we super s- popular now yeah. it is like yeah. accepted as kind of the norm of like yeah well we don't have to or we have to fight that because clearly demons are at play or the only reason our family is struggling right now is because Satan is actively trying to break us up you know it's nothing we're doing you know all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff like <laughs> shifting responsibility to these like principalities and powers that are always like trying to shake stuff up because they have nothing better to do and all of those people like now really are the ones who like say surrounded president trump in his presidency and like paula white like we make fun of her but she's literally from you know these huge stages that she has saying i'm calling down the principalities and powers the angels of africa are going to come and help donald trump Mm -hmm. like when his presidency like that's directly connected to frank peretti shit you know like that's exactly the stuff he talked about and so part of me's like this dude has sold like millions and millions of copies of this book it has totally impacted their lives and now the thing is like people feel they are at war with the demonic and the demonic is in everyone who's not just like them yeah or anyone who's like vaguely left leaning oh yeah Mm -hmm. and I don't know if we want to get into some of the other troubling elements of it. It's like, you know how like people read Twilight when they were like 13 and they're like, this is a great story. And then when you read Twilight when you're 23, you're like, this is literally grooming young women to be in abusive relationships. Right. Mm -hmm. So same thing with Peretti. You're like, this is like a great story of supernatural thrillers. Like when I went back and reread it for my podcast, I was so horrified because first of all, um, like, Demons cause people to kill themselves is like a huge theme in all of his writing, which is like really awful in one sense. Super irresponsible. But like one of the main plot points of the book is that demons possess women and have young women accuse like older men of uh, rape or sexual assault. And it's always used as this plot point of like the demons are trying to take down these men of God. And so Mm -hmm. these good men, it's all a plot of Satan. And actually like one of the main plot points is like the 
town newspaper reporter and the town pastor are both in jail because of these accusations that have been leveled against them by demon-possessed women. And they're like, what are you in here for? Oh, you know, somebody accused me of rape. Oh, you too. You know, it's like this whole jokey thing. But then like God uses that for good because the newspaper reporter becomes a Christian. And so like, it's a major plot point. I think it happens four, maybe five times in that book alone that women are demon possessed and accuse leaders of sexual misconduct. And it's totally brushed aside as this is just Satan trying to take these men down. What a weird detail to include in like a thriller, you know, or like to make that the five times the plot device. Yeah. Five times. Like you can't just say that's like coincidental. Yeah. Yeah. That's not like Frank just picking a crime out of thin air to do, you know, like that's that's disturbing. If it wasn't, if it wasn't horrifying, it would be so funny. Like the bee in this man's bonnet of like, you know what is a is a real problem in this country. <laughs> it's actually like ruining too many people. Issue that we all go through in they some are form of fashion. Picking off pastors every day, left it's, and right. Yeah, it's bizarre. But then you can make a link to that to all the stuff now. All the, I mean. All the church abuse in and Catholic all that and of like anyone yeah, doing that Bible stuff that they're just trying Creek. to take down the church. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Donald yeah. Trump. I mean, Donald same Trump. thing. People have like, we literally don't talk about him being a sexual predator. All the time. And so for me, it's just, I, get, I just get this like pit in my stomach because everybody I've talked to who read that book is like, I sort of remember that, but not really. And to me, that's the saddest thing is like, we just accepted that as normal and like, yeah, that's a normal thing to say. You know, and so I think it's just really, really sad to me. The way he writes women in general is, yeah, either they're possessed by demons and accusing people of rape, or they are literally the women professors who are getting everybody else, you know, demon possessed. It's it's not great. And then the second book he wrote, Piercing the Darkness, the big bad in that book is, um, you know, elementary school teachers who teach yoga to kids and then the kids get demon possessed. Oh yeah, like meditation opens you CPS, up to And CPS, Child Protective Services, because Christians aren't allowed to spank their kids anymore. And I was like, oh my wait, God. this is your hill to die on? Yoga and beating your own children? Like, that's so crazy because that's probably where like still the popular belief that like people I know hold that like yoga is a satanic practice or will like allow demons into your body because you've emptied your mind, etc. It's yeah, straight the- from a prick for any book. <laughs> it's wa- pro- um, it's got to be that. I'm wondering if the fundamental evangelical mistrust of those things was crystallized in this book or or like in his work rather or originated. Yeah. I don't think it originated like so his publisher so yeah Frank Peretti really had never written anything when he published this present darkness and he actually published with Crossway which used to just put out evangelical tracks but they were like you know we got to get the culture we got to get the culture and so they were going to do fiction so they published his book which was like super long and super weird but the guy who ran Crossway was like he, he's been on record multiple times and said, this is a fiction book that the moral majority can hold up and say, this is what we believe. We're cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so so to me, I'm like, he said it. He said, you know, the quiet part loud kind of like, yeah, this yeah, exactly. is a book of the majority. This is what we want. Majority. This is Republican politics. This is small town America is under attack. White small town Christian America is under attack. There's only a few actual Christians who understand what's going on. But the wild thing is, besides people using these like what I would call pagan prayers to say like the blood of Jesus cover me right now. Besides Mm -hmm. that, like Jesus is not mentioned. 
and God is not mentioned. Like Frank mm-hmm. Peretti is obsessed with monsters. Therefore, he's obsessed with like the demons and the angels. But it's actually not a Christian book at all. It's not about Jesus. It's not about it's God. Not about redemption. Then how yeah. are they defeated? <laughs> they they use the incantations of the faithful who pray. But I'm like, how are you muttering these prayers any different from that professor lady muttering her prayers in her office? <laughs> like you are literally Just both doing your magical spells in like a pagan ritual. Right. And I don't want to knock pagans because like that's a real thing. But I'm like, you have not distinguished Christianity in any way, shape or form from that. Except we're the right ones. Right. <laughs> there we go. Does he get, pro, like, does he get more Christian throughout his work as time goes on? Or? Not that I recall. <laughs> and um, How much of his bibliography have you read? You've read a lot, I think, right? I have, but I only reread This Present Darkness for my podcast because I just couldn't do it anymore. It's like, it's really soul-sucking, especially with everything going on in our world. I was like, this is too real. And it's too real. The consequences of it are too real. Yeah. And it like, yeah, Bill Hybels stuff was going on as I was reading it. And I was like, I just want to barf. I just want to barf. And mm-hmm. I, I want to burn it all down. That's a normal reaction I have to many things. I get it. But... This really made me be like, we've got to be looking at this pop culture stuff that we mm-hmm. have consumed. And Frank Party's up there as far as uh, the problematic faves of our youth that yeah. we need to think about. Well, as a build up into the um, ill-advised game we have prepared for today, <laughs> <laughs> I would like to kind of interrogate the idea of how Christianity and evangelical culture is tied to the QAnon moment we find ourselves into. For my own personal experience, I'll say I was raised in a house that was fundamentally mistrustful of any institution at all. Everyone's lying to you. Everyone's a crook. Everyone's a politician. Literally don't trust anybody, which in its 21st century iteration has morphed into family members dabbling in 9-11 trutherism and a sort of nihilistic view of the world where in fact nothing means anything and everything is is knowable and nothing is knowable Mm -hmm. which seems to be at odds with christianity where it's like truth can be found out there's right there's wrong there's good there's evil and this is like i don't know a doctor said this but i found a guy in a lab coat Yeah, nothing in the public sphere is knowable yes (laughs) in the societal sphere Mm -hmm. so i'm wondering what the other than some of the in times imagery is like what the what the peretti to QAnon link and connection is and the QAnon cult which may be uh entering into a final act or a new act i don't know i can't tell we're like days after the biden's part of it now yeah wait i do want to read a little quote that i read um by frank about end times stuff okay um it was some random interview i found online that he did and he said i cannot believe how many end times books there are we don't need another end times book. I have a big enough challenge dealing with the Christian right right now or right where I am. I don't need to be dabbling in worlds that might not even happen. So, but that's a whole other subject. End of quote. So he has some weird, like, it's funny because we all lumped him in with like a left behind thing, but he's like, clearly he's like, I am not an end times. He's not an end times guy. But did he say I have enough trouble dealing with the right? Like he's not conservative? Christian right, right where I am is what he said. Okay. And I don't know if that's that's like a typo in the interview or not, or if that's just something else. It it could likely be a a typo, but. Well, also because. No, the Christian right. It wouldn't make sense. 
the Christian, just right the Christian, where I am. Right where I am. <laughs> Who's the Christian? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and you did a little digging on his Facebook, Caroline, and the post <laughs> oh. stop about five years ago in 2016. But yeah. he seems to be very single-minded in what he cares about. In he cares about his Cessna airplane that he sold, and he's very sad about. He mentions it all the time. <laughs> he is into boats. He has a sailboat. He, he likes boats. to make boats. He has not written anything in a really long time. <laughs> he uh, is into uh, bullying big time because he was like really severely bullied as a kid because he had. Uh, like, he's into a, anti-bullying. Yeah, no, he's not pro bullying. I was like, he's anti bullying. Is he doing a Danielle he's thing where he's topic. like, Kim Walker Smith said this, get her. <laughs> the issue of bullying. And then, yeah, and then I was looking through his Facebook, which is not like regularly updated Uh-oh. or anything, but, you know, posts from years go back. He was like really trying to sincerely engage with the Baker, Christian Baker's gay weddings sort of thing that was going on. And it was, it was bizarre. I mean, he was. He was pro Christian Baker at the end of the day, but he was his argument was still like, obviously we shouldn't be bigots and we should treat these people well. They're our neighbors, but you know, you go to a Jewish deli, you don't expect to see pork there. Like, why is that so different from this? And he was really trying to like use the law to nail down why like religious freedom is the issue for him, I guess, versus gay. I mean, it's about gay rights ultimately, but That's it was fine. weird because it wasn't as like, uh. I don't know, disingenuous as I, I would have expected it to be from him. Oversimplified, you mean? Like it wasn't yes, horrifically yes. Yeah, it wasn't cartoonish. Yeah, and he, wrote, he writes like long, long paragraphs about it. So that was an issue he cared about for a while. Frank Peretti, join Twitter, buddy. Thread. <laughs> he's on Twitter. He is? <laughs> yes, he is. Um, but there's nothing recent. But anyway, so those are, those are his big issues. Strange man. Yeah, I, I remember reading that last Facebook post that he, he posted about this issue of, um, you know, what he would call religious liberty, what other people would call gay rights. And it just enraged me because of him kind of taking refuge in this like, you know, let's look at this logically. And, yes, and I, think, mm-hmm. I think he was pretty shocked at the backlash of probably the more conservative people being like, no, we're not going to look at this logically. But he's in like a rock and a hard place. But he really reminded me of like sort of like the Mr. Whitakers going back to Adventures in Odyssey of like this where I'm a wise old elder evangelical and let me tell you kids what we're going to do. And it's like, no, you've created a monster. (laughs) Yeah. You need to deal with it. Like he needs to address the abuse stuff in his books, right? He needs to address like the unchecked Christian nationalism of conservative Christians. Like this is my thought because – He's benefited financially off of them, you know, buying his books and, and looking up to him. So I'm like, dude, totally. You don't just to go get to go silent once Trump is elected president. I just, it just really bothered me. me. Yeah. I'm like, he, he did go silent and it would yeah. have been really interesting to see how he fits or what he thinks of this era because I don't think it's it's a simple one for him. You yeah, know? that's true. But he, he chose um, to go silent, and that kind of bugs he, me. And that says a lot. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not defending his choice or anything. But it's just like <laughs> you love him. Why? I know. Wait, I, maybe I do. Listeners, uh, <laughs> or is Caroline defending noted bigot Frank Peretti? Sound off in the comments below. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, it just would have been really interesting yet to see him deal with like the real mm. fallout of a lot of the stuff that he kind of the Jerry popular, Fallout Junior. As you said, yeah, yeah Jerry Fallout. I don't know what this means, but um, I did find a video of him. <laughs> yelling with a chair and i don't know why so many elderly 
conservative men, a la love Clint to yell Eastwood, at an empty chair. love performing <laughs> with empty chairs. The chair bit. Ah, he loves a chair. I mean, more about that, but it's just interesting how it's one of those neat ways, logically, that you can figure out that God is a person. If God was an impersonal cosmic force, such as New Agers try to make him out to be without a personality, just an energy. You might be a redneck. That's why it sounded like it's cadence. If you think God is an impersonal force, you might be a New Agers. <laughs> I, I don't know what the connection is there, but I, I found that to be delightful. Just old, more old men yelling at chairs, which I found out, she by the way. called it the straw man's curse. <laughs> okay. That was good. That was good. Oh, wow. Every now and again, Caroline, you surprise me. I'm just kidding. Oh, That's like the worst you. thing to say. Like, you know what? You can be pretty funny sometimes. Sometimes no. I can. Gracious. Uh, but we would like to transition now to a oh, yes. horrible game uh, that we're going to do for some reason. I can tell we're all very excited. <laughs> I, I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> Caroline's edge. I think I'm going to be good at this. Okay. And this is called Peretti or Q? A Q and on. Oh my God. A Q and on. A Q and on. Kevin. <laughs> okay, Peretti or QAnon? Let's go. The Muppets like that. So we've taken a few selected quotes from Mr. Frank Peretti. Maybe it's something he said in his real life. Maybe it's something he said in one of his books. And we've also taken posts from members of the terrorist cult QAnon. And I'm going to read these quotes. And Danielle is a bit of a pretty scholar at this point, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. And so she can probably speak to the ways in which um, his theology informs mm-hmm. the QAnon stuff in particular. Karen- so Kevin, did you go on like 8chan today? <laughs> I went on 4chan and I was immediately horrified. <laughs> and I did... <laughs> I mean, I did text thank you my for your f- service to this podcast, <laughs> sir. I also <laughs> texted dark. my friend... Oh, you, you may know him. Alex Goldman from the Reply All podcast who would know mm-hmm. such things. I was like... Hey, where can I find some QAnon posts? <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, he didn't ask any questions. He said, uh, try this, this, and this. And I was like, All right, I like thanks. how he likely thought it was like for research purposes. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. He he assumed the right thing. <laughs> Trying to take him down. Um, so I'll I'll bounce I'll bounce back and forth between Danielle and Caroline. I'll read a quote and you have to tell me, did Mr. Frank Peretti say this or did a QAnon follower post this? I've got this. Some of these are easier than others, I will say. And then some of them may be a a little more difficult. Uh, Danielle, you are our guest, so we will go first with you. Uh, Okay, first first quote. Killing one person makes you a murderer. Killing a million people makes you a king. Who said it? Was it a QAnon supporter or Frank Peretti? Mm. Uh, Somebody who's messed up. I don't know. Mm. (laughs) Mm. Frank, Frank. Danielle? It was Frank Peretti from his novel House. (laughs) Oh, yeah. House. House. It's just called House. Made into a TV show. Yeah. Famously adapted into it. No, House, it's a (laughs) horror novel um, that he kind of co-wrote with Ted Decker, uh, who is a Christian horror novel author as well. Uh, The end of the quote is, killing them all makes you God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Did a demon say that? Probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, sounds like a demon to me. You know, if I read some print. Hey, (laughs) all right. We got one point on the board for Danielle. Caroline, it is your turn. This one may be a gimme. Okay, here's a quote. Where we go one, we go all. (laughs) That's cute. That's cute. That is sure cute. Famously. It's like their rallying cry. That's like their catchphrase. That's their did I do that. (laughs) (laughs) Did I do that? Wait, it's did I cue that. (laughs) (laughs) Did I cue that. (laughs) That's what all those guys said when they broke into the Capitol. They're like, did I cue that. Oh my God. Oh, what an insurrection. All right. One point on the board for Caroline. Uh, Back to Danielle. Danielle, your quote is, there's a vital lesson to be learned here, a truth our society must not lose sight of. And it's that the sanctity of every human life and the dignity of every individual. Who said it? That's a... That's a Frankie Peretti quote. Frankie Peretti. for sure? That's from Hangman's Curse. Wow. It is. All right. We got two points on the board. For Danielle, Caroline, your quote, if truth is taken away from us, then right and wrong are taken away as well. If we don't know right and wrong, then we can't, we won't control ourselves, but we look to someone else to bring order through brute force and raw power. We will be controlled by a tyrant and we will no longer be free. Who Mm -hmm. said it? A QAnon supporter or Frankie? I know Frankie was really, you know, reeling against moral relativism for relativismanism. Um, oh, my heart wants to say Q, but my head wants to say Frank, you know? Hey, tales old as time. Tales old as time. <laughs> I guess my heart was going Frank too. I'm going to say Frank. I'm going to say that's a Frank quote. Caroline, it is a Frank Peretti quote. Oh. It's from his novel, Nightmare Academy. <laughs> <laughs> his, his writing is so intense. I feel like that. it was very Q at the end though. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. Like, that's very what Q at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, of like a tyrant taking over or whatever. Yeah. The Q, it's like it's yeah. multiple tyrants. So it wouldn't be just one. They don't have any anti It's everyone except ball. for a uh, former president. Uh okay. Right. Danielle, to you. The quote is at the last minute when you least expect it, God will show up and open the door. God loves a drama. God loves a drama? God loves a drama. I don't know. Let's go with Q. Let's go with Q. Danielle. That is from a QAnon supporter. Wow, way to go. That is from Hagdorn Marianne 55 on Parlor. <laughs> Thank I you, hope- Marianne. On Parlor? Yes. Oh, God. I hope that's not someone I'm related to. <laughs> I, I hope not either. Or someone I'm... I hope the FBI like has eyes on you now, Kevin. <laughs> they should. Hey, just because they killed Jake, JFK. Or no, MLK doesn't mean they can't miss him. God tier tweet. <laughs> All right. Uh, to you, Caroline, no amount of lies, no matter how cleverly Couch will ever outstrip or outlast God's truth. The Lord knows those who are his. His sheep hear his voice, and the arm of the Lord is never so short he cannot save. Mm. I'm going to go with Q on that one. There's something about like the chosen, the ones that know kind of thing to me. Caroline? That is a Frank Peretti quote. That is from (laughs) Piercing the Darkness. Piercing the Darkness. Yes. You dirty dog, Frank Peretti. This this game is making me want to like cry. 
lot. It should. No, this is the point. We're trying to make you cry. I like keep it together. This is good. This is a comedy podcast. Barely, but yeah, sure. You said comedy is delightful. <laughs> no. Okay, to you, Danielle. Okay. I will continue speaking truth. I've not given up. I still have faith. I still know that God wins. Oh my gosh, just poor Q people. God wins. That's all they got. I'm guessing it's Q. Ooh. It is Q, Danielle. Wow, you were so confident. <gasps> it's absolutely Q. I can't identify yeah. the username because it was blurred out in the screenshot I saw. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, to you, Caroline. Okay. I'm not okay. giving up hope. I've seen things happen. I know God is not going to allow evil to win. Trust the plan. Do you know this? No, it's just freaky that it could go either way. I'm just it freaking freaky. out. I'm just freaking out about <laughs> oh my that. God. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say Q on that one. Caroline, it's Q. It is Q. Oh, okay. It's Candace oh. Little on Parlor. <laughs> Randomest people. It's fun to do this Frank now. Peretti. Yeah. Yes. Oh. And if wow. if there's some horrific QAnon terrorist attack before this episode comes out, we'll just delete this game from it. It's okay. We'll tell them it was all part of our clown ministry. <laughs> okay. Uh, final round. Final round, Danielle. Okay. Last one to last one to Danielle. You got this. I've only missed one. Otherwise, we've both been correct. Every That's time. true. That's true. Okay. And we'll see how well we do on this one. Jesus was crucified on a Friday and rose on a Sunday. Is today Trump's crucifixion and he will rise on the third day? <laughs> Friday? <laughs> this is obviously Peretti, but he was like posting as a Q member. <laughs> because I can see it both. Mm -hmm. So it's both, but it's Q. It's Q. It's Tory Lynn on Parlor. Q and on. Wow. Wow. Is today Trump's crucifixion? That deadline already passed. I love it. Okay. All right. <laughs> crucifixion. Perfect score wow. from Danielle. All right. Last last question to Caroline. Okay. This one's tough, maybe. Okay. When you go to a is it a sermon? When you go to services in Los Angeles. Do they talk about like Hollywood stuff in your church? Oh, I mean, this is a cue, I think. Yeah, this is a this is a cue. It sounds like dialogue, though. I'm gonna go cue. I'm gonna go cue. Caroline, it's Frank, isn't it? <laughs> so the game is called Peretti or Q. Uh -huh. It is not Q, but it is not Frank Peretti. It's, it's Chelsea Peretti. It's Chelsea Peretti <laughs> talking to me on her call-in show. Oh my god! Nine years that you ago, infamously made me listen to like the second <laughs> time we hung out in your car. <laughs> I'm gonna make you listen to it again. When you go to a like, is it a sermon? <laughs> when you go to services in Los Angeles, do they talk about like Hollywood oh stuff in your church? And that's. Famous comedian, Brooklyn Nine Nine actress. Are you not going to talk Perry. about uh, the bulk of the conversation nope. that you two had? <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, if you want to do a little scavenger hunt, feel look free. That up. <laughs> Represents a shameful part I'm of my life. Definitely going to do that. Also, I did Google if Chelsea Peretti was related. 
Yeah. Oh, she's, yeah. You know, Christian not. horror novelist. Right? She's not. You know, she's not. She's half Jewish. <laughs> that would be she's so half funny. Jewish, half, half be Italian. Strange. Yes. But yeah. All right. And at the end of that, Caroline, you got three. Danielle's got five. Uh, Well played, Danielle. I know. I'm just like so in the mind of like these violent terrorists. It's like a gift. (laughs) You are. Yeah. You've channeled them in a special way. Yeah. Uh, What a great thought for us all to rest in. And that's how you play Peretti or Q. Oh, Kevin, that was a Oh, no, pretty, now the Muppets are linked powerful. to conspiracy theories in my mind, so that's great. Today's episode is brought to you by the letter Q. Letter Q. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Elmo goes one, Elmo goes all. <laughs> Gracious. <laughs> like, Bert and Ernie are the like, Trump sons. <laughs> <laughs> you know what would happen? It would be Big Bird gets like radicalized by, by Q and oh. on, and then like one of the adults yeah. has to be like, no, Big Bird, you can trust the government. The mailman's like snuffy, not a- Snuffy is cute, right? Because only Big Bird can see Snuffy. Oh, yeah, Snuffy's cute. Oh, I'm ready to believe that Carmen is cute. <laughs> <gasps> This is an explanation that ties up a lot of loose ends for me. I'll say that much. I would believe that if I uh, could also believe that Carmen could log on to literally any website. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't think that's possible. (laughs) Fair, 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 fair. Okay. Well, on that uh, ebullient, buoyant note of positivity, (laughs) let's uh, bring the mood down a little bit to a more worshipful space. Peretti is going to be one of the only subjects we never even open it up to a roaster toast to. I was, he exists beyond book. the confines of roaster toast. <laughs> uh, but Danielle, you've heard the show before, so you know how it goes. We're not here to promote ourselves or our own projects. We're here to lift them up to the Lord. And we start, as usual, with Caroline, who is taken by surprise <laughs> once again. <laughs> but I got the note right here. Uh, you can always, always... Come to me and open your hearts up at Caroline's Farts, and I may or may not reciprocate. Uh, Oh, in the spirit of optimism, I'm going to lift up something that I signed up for, which is called the Good Newsletter. Um, It's just like a, it's an email newsletter with good headlines or people that are actually doing great things uh, in the culture, and it's, you can find it at goodgoodgood.co. Uh, and it's great. I would recommend it. So check that one out. Thank you, Caroline. We turn it to Danielle. Uh, yeah, you can find me on the social medias at DL Mayfield. I like to be on Twitter and Instagram. And I have a book that came out during a global pandemic, which is awesome, um, called The Myth of the American Dream, Reflections on Affluence, Autonomy, Safety, and Power. Um, yeah, you can get a little of that intense energy. <laughs> If you get that, I also have a podcast where we uh, talk about evangelical pop culture artifacts of the 80s and 90s. We are not very funny. I do it with my husband. We're very earnest. They're very smart. They know what they're saying when they say it. Mm. (laughs) They don't say, so Christian pop culture, eh? (laughs) 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 They form complete sentences. Jack off. <laughs> like they're, they, they have discourse on their show. Yeah, and, uh, it's it's made better because my husband is a therapist and he's, he's really cool. That's called the Prophetic Imagination Station. Hey, Husband Twitter. Therapist Alliance also <gasps> share really? that. Caroline, yeah, she's encroaching on your turf. 
Yeah, you really are. Okay, now we're a rival. No. It's like, imagine what I would be like if I wasn't married to a therapist. It's just, it's just, it's a thought. It's a thought. It's a thought. (laughs) DL Mayfield, one of my favorite follows. I get, I get turned on to whatever the news is I need to know in this space. I'm on like the Sean Foyt beat. Yeah. I'm on yes. the Kim Walker Smith beat. Yeah. So, Thank you, know. you for your work. Oh, and it's a yeah. beat. You're on the beat down. Like it is. It, yeah. You're you're on it. You're in the pulse. Uh, thank you so much, Danielle. You can lift me up at Kevin T. Porter everywhere. I'm nothing to lift up this week. I've not consumed anything. He's a man on the go. Other than, I, yeah, I guess so right now. I'll have something to lift up next week, though, I bet. I've had, you know what? I I've I listened to a uh, basketball podcast, not knowing anything about basketball, but it's called the Flagrant Ones, and that's been keeping me a lot of good company recently, and I enjoy that. If if y'all enjoy such shows, it's a Patreon podcast, but it's worth it. It's very funny. Friend of the show, Carl Tart, hosts that show as well. Very very funny. Good companion for long drives and car rides, and you can lift us up. At Christian Fun Pod everywhere. You can go to patreon.com slash good Christian fun for more good Christian fun. And you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We donate a dollar to charity. And this month's charity is the Sela Homeless Neighborhood Coalition. Danielle, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, thank pal. You, Danielle. Thank you. It's been a dream come true. It's a dream come true for us. Uh, I, I hope you're never mad at us and tell people to come after us no i hope you do actually because i'm actually not a narcissist and i respond really well to criticism yeah historically i've, I've found that to be the case and, okay, really <laughs> and there's nothing left to say except for an off pods people said amen you know what uh we're gonna go out on a an instrumental song that danielle recommended for us can you tell us about this song danielle Yeah, when Michael W. Smith read Frank Peretti's This Present Darkness, he was inspired to create an instrumental accompaniment. So if you ever Uh pick up that book to read it, you have to just (laughs) crank up the dial and blast the song called Ashton, which is based off the small town in Frank Peretti's book. Amazing. Which is the name of the town, Ashton. Yeah. 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 So it's a... Smitty. It's it's not a... It's a three minute and 18 second long song. So you're going to have to put on repeat approximately... 2,000 times. <laughs> I have I have learned a Christian drama to this song, to be clear. Is this in <laughs> too? No, thank the Lord. No, but that's just more cred, more cachet. You got <laughs> all the more cachet. Yes. She's keeping yeah. cashing in the cachet. <laughs> Wait, when does this song really get going? I listened to it today. Because it's all just like ambience and oh, stuff. Oh yeah, you got, to get, you got to get the drums. The drums come in. This is the part of the drama where like God was creating the earth, uh-huh. and then pretty soon evil's gonna, you know, Satan is in. Yep, here we go. Is Satan like and a the, beautiful the demons woman? are coming. <laughs> Somebody dressed in all black, really. Oh, Marinda. Here we go. It's creepy, right? Caroline, is this our new theme song? <laughs> no, wait, wait. It's, it's you know, we are Halloween gonna... theme song. It's... Just imagine it's coming. Smitty it's coming. in his studio, just like, all right. Imagine me rolling. He's so corny. <laughs> it's an Irish jig. 
Minnie is on the lower no, deck no, with no, Rose. No, no, no. This cannot be the sound of the angels. This, this is. This can't be it. This is awesome. This is disrespectful. <laughs> Gabriel to Michael. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. That was a HeadGum Podcast.